Growing up, many of you know that my father served faithfully for 20 years in the U.S. Navy, and, and we had a lot of different duty stations, so I spent time overseas and, and spent birthdays, celebrating birthdays overseas. And at one point, we lived in Naples, Italy, and I have to be honest with you, man, that was a great place to grow up. We weren't allowed to live on base because we had a family, uh, so we lived in the community, and so we built relationships and friends, both uh, Americans, Italians, you name it. We just had a great time. Our next-door neighbor, uh, his dad, was in the Navy as well, and uh, just so happens, my friend Jeff, who's about three or four years older than me, and I had the same birth date, both born on the same, which is weird that you go halfway across, you know, and you find somebody that has your same birth date. Well, I was turning nine, and he was, I guess, then 12, maybe 13, and uh, our families got together and said, let's do something special for these guys, and so in Naples, somewhere in part of Naples, there was this little amusement park, and uh, it was fun, and we could go there, and it was back in the day when, you know, uh, there was a time when Jeff and myself and my best friend who lived, I think, two floors below us, Wayne, the three of us all went to this amusement park together at night and I was maybe fourth or fifth grade uh, man we wouldn't dare let our kids do that today but I remember we went as our family and as soon as we got there Jeff who was just he was crazy um, I think he was crazy um, he goes let's ride the roller coaster and me I was like I'm all for it so we get on this little two car roller coaster it may have been one car and man, I'm, I mean, it was a battle to see who sat up front. So I got up front and we got up to the top of the thing and started moving. And um, I'd never been so afraid in all my life. And, uh, and I, found, I found that roller coaster, I found that amusement park on, 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 on Google Maps and I found that roller coaster. And there's a reason why I was afraid. There's a reason for my fear. You see, when they made that roller coaster, turns didn't bank. So when you were at the very top and you went, it turned flat. So it literally looked as though you were going off the end. And at the last minute it would turn and it was rickety and it was just one of those things. And, and uh, when I got off, I swore I would never get on another one again. And for many years, I never got on. Now, since then, I've learned to appreciate the thrill of the ride, but I was scared to death. I mean, I'm not kidding. I, for years, would not get on a roller coaster. Then when you take your five-year-old to, to Disney World, it's hard not to, right? No, son, you go right ahead. I'm going to stand right here, and I'll watch you. <laughs> Come on, Dad, we can ride this. No. When my brother Dan, he's two years younger than me, was 21, he went into the Army after doing his boot camp at Fort Leonard Wood, Missouri. I think he did it in the wintertime, which was nuts. He was sent to uh, Fort Benning, Georgia for jump school. That's right. He was going to jump out of a perfectly good airplane. And I remember when he got there and he got settled in and he called me and I said, what are you doing? He goes, man, you're not going to believe this. It is Six Flags right out behind my barracks and they're paying me to go there. He embraced it. You know, that 250-foot tower, he couldn't wait. Getting in that plane, he couldn't wait. He embraced it. Now, I'm still in awe of my brother. He does some really cool things. And 
And I see him as being fearless. And to this day, unless it spins or flips, he'd probably do it. He'll probably write it. So what's the difference between that nine-year-old on a roller coaster that would fit in this room easily and a 21-year-old who would jump out of a plane and risk his life, besides age? Obviously, it's not maturity, because any mature and right-minded person wouldn't do that. I think it's perspective. I think it's how we look at it. You see, I saw that Rokoloser as something to fear. He saw jumping out of that plane as something to embrace. What's one thing in your life today that you are deathly afraid of? When I say deathly afraid of, I'm not talking about snakes and spiders, okay? Anybody says, well, I'm afraid of spiders and snakes. It just reminds me of that 70s song. Y'all remember that song? I don't like spiders and snakes. Y'all, younger ones, y'all are going to go, I have no idea what you're singing. But that ain't what it takes to love me. Y'all remember that song? Anybody? Okay, thank you. I'm not the only one. No, I'm not going to go any further. You got all you got tonight. No, I, what I'm talking about is what is it in your life that locks you up? That prevents you from doing something else? that causes fear and panic to ransack your body. I mean, it could be a person or a relationship, and for good reason. It could be a certain set of circumstances or a situation or maybe a specific thing or a phobia. Um, I was working with a guy one time, and we didn't know that at 200-something pounds, he was afraid of heights until we got inside you know, we were crawling up on top of a grain tower to work on a leg at a granary, and he realized then and there he was afraid of heights, and I was underneath him. And I said, just don't let go. <laughs> and we'd both be in trouble, and uh, everything worked out fine. But he didn't know he was afraid of something until he encountered it. But people who are afraid of heights, man, it locks them. Or if you're afraid of closed-in spaces, some of those fears are real. Some of those situations are real. For me, I'm, I'm a man riddled with fears. My fear of failure at times will keep me from doing something that I'm, I know I should be doing. Uh, the awkwardness of being unprepared for something. I, I don't like that. That inside of me, just there's something in my stomach that knots up, and I just, ah. The fear of un, the unknown. I, I want to know what's going to happen. I go through scenarios all the time, and Cindy will remind me, you know, you're just talking about stuff that may never happen. I know, but I've got to be prepared. See how that's all linked together? The fear of losing control, of not being in control. Any of those speak to you? Maybe there are others. Maybe there are relationships or certain people in your life that bring that. I, I grew up the oldest son of an alcoholic, not pleasing people rocked me for many years not making sure everybody's happy I've gotten over that one tonight we're going to talk about living fearlessly and if you have your Bibles would you turn with me to Isaiah chapter 41 and we're going to begin reading tonight in verse 8 we're just going to look at two verses Isaiah who was a prophet to Judah during a time of the divided kingdom, 
How many of you know, I didn't know this until recently. Did you know Isaiah's name means the Lord saves or the Lord is a Savior? Did y'all know that? Some of y'all may already knew that. As much as I've read Isaiah, I just learned that. And this makes this book all the more, I mean, I was like, whoa. God used a man named the Lord saves to tell him not only about his retribution that we find in the first 39 chapters, we see God's retribution in those chapters, what's going to happen to them because of their unfaithfulness and their disobedience to God. Um, they were going to, he's going to send them into exile to Babylon. Babylon's going to come in, conquer them, take them away. But then the next 40 to 60, did you know there's 66 chapters? You know how many books of the Bible there are? 66? Isn't that cool? I don't know why that's so fascinating to me, but it is. That one's free. I threw that one in for you tonight. Um, but from chapter 40 to chapter 66, it, God goes into great detail on sharing how he was going to restore. In chapters like 43, um, um, the, the prophecy of the Messiah coming. Oh, man, this is powerful stuff. I would encourage you, if you've not sat down and read through Isaiah, and it can be confusing at times, believe me, I would encourage you, take some time to get to know Isaiah and what God says to the nation of Israel, because I think it applies to us today very clearly. And so in chapter 41, he talks about how, how uh, he is going to help uh, the Israelites. Read with me, beginning with verse 8. But you, O Israel, my servant Jacob... Whom I have chosen, you descendants of Abraham, my friend. I took you from the ends of the earth, from its farthest corners I called you. And I said, you are my servant. I have chosen you and have not rejected you. So, do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Would you join me in prayer this, this evening as we jump into God's word? Father, it is your word. Use it to speak to our hearts. Use it to help us let go of those fears that entangle us and embrace us and hold on to us and prevent us from being what you desire of us restore us to yourself tonight lord may we find joy uh, in our relationship with you instead of fear we pray this in your son's name amen now in verse 10 he says so because you are who you are do not fear and that word fear literally means to be afraid to be shaken to your core to be trembling it's not that fear and awe like um he says in Proverbs, you know, the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. It's not that. It's not the, like, God, you're so holy. This is awesome to be in your presence. It is fear like um, shaking in, in the dark when you hear a noise. Anybody do that? Anybody hear a noise at night? You get settled, and all of a sudden you hear a noise, and you think, do I get up and check it? My theory is no, because he's going to get me anyway. I might as well stay covered up and get comfortable. So there's no sense in going and putting myself in danger. But, uh, but for some, that's a scary thought. I remember when Cindy and I met, and she lived by herself in, in Mobile. That could be, when, when you start hearing noises and you're a single lady in your, in your own place, that could be scary. And that's what 
that's what God's talking about. He says, when you're trembling, when you are afraid, when you are locked up, when you can't move, I remember going through some difficult times um, early on in my ministry and, uh, and in my life, and, and I was meeting with a friend of mine, and I was talking about him being afraid and some of my fears. And he, he just stopped me. He says, you, you, you know what fear is? And I said, well, I mean, there's several definitions. There's a you know, Webster's, there's a dictionary, there's, a, I'm sure, a clinical definition. There's all these definitions. He goes, now, let me just give you one, and I've always remembered it. He says, fear is false expectations appearing real. False expectations appearing real. That means we're, we're taking the thing that may not ever happen, and we're making it real in our own lives. Do you do that? Do you live through a situation, and by the time you walk through all the things, you, man, this is a... All these things are going to happen, and now the world's coming to an end, and sky's falling, and man, you're like, I can't do anything else. I'm locked up. I'm, I'm frozen right where I am. And you've allowed that fear to entangle you. False expectations appearing real. Fear. It's a real, it's a real deal. Earlier this week, uh, how many follow, I mean, if you're on Facebook, you might follow Zach Minton. He posted one little graphic, it's up here, and he put faith over fear. And as I was studying for that, I saw that, and I said, I'm going to use that. Because that's how we should be living our lives, isn't it? We shouldn't be giving in to these fears. And, and to be honest, some of them are very real. But that doesn't mean we give in to them. I mean, we can't live our life in the realm or the context of fear. If we do, man, we're not going to be any good for the kingdom of God. We're not going to be any use to the kingdom. We're throwing God right out the window if we're allowing fear to keep us from being obedient to God. We're just telling God, you're not strong enough to overcome my fear, God, so I'm going to give in to fear. We cannot and we will not engage our community if we're fearful of them. If we're afraid to step out into their world and always expect them to come into ours, we will have no, no credibility, no credible ministry or witness in that community. I know that when I'm afraid, I only see what I want to see. You ever notice that? And I see those things that make me fearful. I don't see what God sees. I don't see the big picture. I don't see the, the, the result of following and living in obedience to him. I was thinking about this week of all the people who uh, in the New Testament, the Old Testament, New Testament, that, that we go, man, that was awesome. Imagine if they lived their life in fear rather than in faith. Imagine Abraham. You think he would have ever left his home in Ur of Chaldeans to go to a place that God never even told him where to go. He said, just go. You think he would have ever done that if he was fearful? If he would have allowed fear to control him or offer his son as a sacrifice? You think he would have ever been called a friend of God if, in fact, he lived his life in fear? Noah, if he was fearful of what people were going to say about him, 
how they were going to talk about him in the, in, the, in the neighborhood and down at the hall or down at the restaurant or at the market. You think he would have ever built an ark? If he would have lived his life in fear rather than in faith. What about Joseph? If he was fearful when he went into prison, you think he would have ever lived to be second in command in Egypt? Because he was second in command, he was living in obedience. God gave him an answer to help the Israelites survive. Moses, who admitted his fear. Man, this I love about Moses. He went, God, I, I'm scared. Look, you don't want me because this is, the, look at all the stuff I deal with. God said, no, I, I still want to use you. He gives in to God and, and lives by faith. And he gets the opportunity to lead an entire nation out of 400 years of captivity. Elijah? Elijah was afraid. As a matter of fact, he says he ran away. And God met him in that fear. And God, he got to see and experience the presence of God like, like very few in the Bible ever have. And yet he had just watched God defeat the prophets of Baal. David, do you think he would have ever stood up to a giant? become one of the greatest kings the world has ever known if he would have lived in fear rather than in faith Peter today of Pentecost when they were making fun of him and, and all the other disciples because they didn't understand what was going on so they accused him of being drunk and Peter could have said you know what guys they're man they're out there let's just stay in here let's just keep the door locked it's safe in here and instead, out of faith, he steps out. He delivers one of the most passionate sermons ever. And we see 3,000 people get saved because of that, because of faith. Paul, what at the first time, at the first hint of, uh, of trouble, he would have ran. God, I didn't sign up for this. This whole stoning bit, that's for the birds. I believe it was right outside of Lystra where he was stoned. And it says, and he got up and went back in. He wasn't finished yet. God wasn't finished with him. Man, he says he was shipwrecked. He, he experienced uh, hunger and poverty and nakedness. He got bit by a very poisonous snake. And all of that could have kept him from, from living in obedience and living, faith, living without faith. And instead, he put his trust in the Lord. And watch God do incredible things among the Gentiles. If you look through the Bible, people always had a chance to give in to fear rather than live by faith. And there are people who did give in to fear. Saul gave in to fear and offered a sacrifice instead of waiting for Samuel. Kings, out of fear, took control instead of living for the Lord. Sarah, out of fear, took control and created a much bigger problem that we see today because, of, because she took control of it rather than trusting the Lord and living in faith because she, in her mind, didn't see what God saw. We cannot live a life rooted in fear and in faith. Matter of fact, Matthew 6, 24 says, No one can serve two masters, either you will hate the one, or love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. We can't live a life of both fear and faith. One will be master. 
one will be master. So how do we learn to live fearlessly? How do we learn to live a life of faith over fear? I want to give you two things. That's it, and then we'll be done tonight. One is live in God's love. Live in God's love. You know he loves you dearly. Look at what he says in verse 8 to the nation of Israel. And he says this to you and me today as well. You descendants of Abraham. Now get this. My friend. That's key because in the Hebrew, my friend is the word achab. And it's a, it's a term of endearment. It's a term that defines a relationship based on experience with one another, not just knowledge about each other. Does that make sense? You see, God knew Abraham was a friend of God's, was his friend, because he had seen Abraham faithfully time and time again turn away from fear and turn in faith to him and allow God to, to live in that love that God had for him. And because of that relationship, God and Abraham, then all the descendants of Abraham get to experience that love of God. We, as the New Testament children of God, get to live in that love of God. It's in, in 1 John 4, it's riddled with passages that said God shows us his love. He sent Christ to die for us. says that God is love, and pure love drives out all fear. If we're living in the love of God, we have nothing to fear. You see, living in God's love allows us to know from experience that he wants nothing but the best for you and for me, and that we can trust him. We can trust him. I remember there was a time in my life, and, and you may have had these times. You ever have those times where you just feel like, uh, kind of like, where is God in all this? You ever have a time like that? A season? Dearest friends that I served with came to me, and he said, Mike, one lesson I've learned in my life is that when I can't see the hand of God, I can trust the heart of God. Because God wants what's best for us. So are you in a season of life, does that fear keep you from seeing the hand of God? Because if it does, then you and I have to live in faith and know that God loves us so much that he, he wants what's best for you and for me, and I can live in that love. So we can live in the love of God. Look in verse 10. What does he say? Do not be afraid, for I am with you. See, God doesn't leave us to our own circumstances he doesn't leave us to our fears because he loves us and because he wants what is best for us he will not let us go through those fearful times alone he knows that you and i need him and so live in the love of god and then here's the second thing let god lead let god lead verse 8 he says but you O israel my servant, my servant, you and I, as the New Testament Israel, you and I are God's servants as followers of Christ. As Wind Baptist Church, we are his servants. And if we are servants, then he is the master, right? And if he's the master, who's in charge? Him. I'm telling you, that's hard for some of us. 
this morning, we sang this morning this song, Hallelujah, God has set me free. Hallelujah, death has lost its grip on me. If death has lost its grip, and I don't have to fear death, then what else is there to fear? Have you thought about that? Because listen, we were singing it really loud this morning. And we were singing that like, yeah, God, you have set me free. Death has lost its grip on me. Yeah. And yet tomorrow, there's going to be a circumstance. A bill's going to come up. A relationship's going to get conflict in a relationship. And we're going to go back and we're going to hunker down in our fear. Instead of stepping out in faith and trusting God. And letting him lead. See, if he's the master, then we've given up control. And fear cannot master us if we indeed let God lead our lives. In verse 10, he says, do not be dismayed, for I am your God. Have you ever just claimed that? God, thank you for being my God. Thank you for being my God. You said it. I'm, I'm claiming it. See, we'll thank you for being God. But he says, listen, church, I'm your God. I'm nobody else's God. I'm your God. Nobody has access to me. I'm your God. Nobody else can put their faith in me. I'm your God. Well, I guess they can when they become a, a believer. But I'm your God, church. Let me just tell you, as a, as a, as a control freak, we hate this. Because wh what this is saying is, is I've got to let God lead then I've got to give up control, and if fear of, of losing control is one of my fears, then, man, this is huge for me. And if you're a control freak like I am, it takes a big step of faith to let up. Say, all right, God, I don't get this. I don't understand it. I, you know, I'm going to let you take care of it. It's also hard for, for people who have been put in a position where they have to take control. Single parents, I see this in single parents often where, where one of the parents is absent for whatever reason and they've had to take and be either both parents sometimes. They've had to step up and be the spiritual leader of the home where maybe there wasn't one. And now you're telling me I've got to stop being in control and let God now take control of my family, of my kids? I don't know about that. This is really difficult for those who have learned to set, had to set boundaries for others, people, especially people close to them, and said, that's your life, this is my life. I love you, but you can't come in here and take control. This is what I've got to do. And so they've learned to do that. Now you're saying, I've got to put that wall down and let God take control. It's really hard. That let God lead is probably the more difficult of the two for some of us. But turn with me over to the 23rd Psalm. Because there are some great words of wisdom that apply to this tonight. I want us to just take just a brief moment to look at it. David writes, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want. In other words, there's nothing I shall need because he is my shepherd. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. And I don't know if you know that, but sheep will not drink from running water. They won't drink from a creek or a river they'll go thirsty first they need a lake or a pond or something where the water's still because they're so skittish they won't lie down until their belly's full that's why their shepherds are always out looking for greener pastures to lead them to 
they won't rest. And so they'll be anxious, worrisome. He said, he guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of a death, I will fear no evil for you are what? With me. God says, do not be afraid for I am what? With you. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Uh, man, you prepare a table before me. In the presence of my enemies, you anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. I mean, God our shepherd provides for us. He cares for us. He nurtures us. He cares for us. He leads us. I find what I need in those times, those fearful times in my life that, that want to just entangle me and embrace me and hold me captive, I find what I need in God's leadership in my life. Now here's the question. Will I follow? Will I follow? See, I, I want God to provide for me. I want that, but will I give up control and follow him? Will I be a good sheep? Will I follow him to the greener pastures? Will I follow him to the still waters? Will I follow him and down the paths of righteousness? Will I follow him? See, he can't lead if we're not going to follow. And so that's on you and me. And so we need to live in God's love. We need to let God lead during those fearful times in our life. I'm reminded by verse 10 that when I am afraid, when I am fearful, that he is with me. When I am anxious, discouraged, when I'm dismayed, or feel overwhelmed. And when I say overwhelmed, realizing that there are some things that are beyond my control and the circumstances that, that I'm living in are just, you ever get that where they're just falling in on you? Y'all know what I'm talking about? And you just feel overwhelmed by everything, and, man, you can't sleep, you can't eat, you're just nervous. You're just, man, when I feel that, remember, he's my God. And nothing is greater than my God, including my fears. Now, here's what he says. If you will remember that I am your God, and if you will remember that I will be with you, then he says, he will strengthen me, he will help me, and support me with his righteous right hand. Now, that's powerful. Don't, don't skip over that right hand stuff. That right hand, in, in, in God's word, is the symbol for power, and strength, of protection, of privilege, of favor, if you were on somebody's right hand, if you were their right-hand man, you were favored. If you look in Matthew 25, where Jesus is separating the goats from the sheep, where, what side did the goats go on? That's right, the left. Yeah, that, that was good. What side did the favored sheep go on? What side of God is Jesus sitting on in heaven right now? The right hand of God. Anytime you see the word God use the, his right hand, it means there's power, strength, protection, favor, privilege in who he's speaking to. And he's speaking to you and me. He says, listen, I'm going to uphold you with this arm that, that represents my power and my strength and my favor. You find it in me. Man, that's powerful. And so we don't have to be afraid. 
We don't have to be overwhelmed and discouraged by our circumstances or by our relationship or by something that just locks us up. So my question tonight is, will you live in fear or in faith? Will you embrace faith or will you embrace fear? 